0: Well, amen. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called Pursuit. And, you know, pursuit means the act of chasing after something or seeking after something diligently and wholeheartedly. And so we're titling this series Pursuit because, you know, really in the last few days, you know, many people have made what we know as New Year resolutions. They make fresh Commitments. They make commitments to eat less, exercise more, spend less, get out of debt. All these kinds of things. Go back to school. How many of you made some New Year's resolution? You know, people do it and people are continually making commitments and resolutions at the beginning of the year. And what they're really saying is they're trying to think of what they can change in their life that will make a positive difference in their life. And I think that's a good thing. But how many of you would agree with me that that New Year's resolutions are okay as long as they're in the will of God, in the plan of God, amen? What's your New Year resolution? What's your commitment for the New Year? How many of you want a whole lot of what you had last year? How many of you want a whole lot less of what you had last year? How many of you are grateful for a brand new turn the page year? Amen. But listen, I think you would all agree with me that of all the resolutions or commitments that we can make in life, none is greater than the commitment to pursue our relationship with God. Would you agree with that? I mean, you know, whenever you think about it, you know, whatever whatever earthly resolution or commitment that you can make, It has value, obviously. Because our life is a series of choices. We are where we are today because of the choices we made. And so if we make good choices, we'll end up in better places, right? So resolutions, commitments are great. But the greatest of all resolutions or commitments is the commitment to pursue our God. The greatest pursuit in life is the pursuit of God. And so, you know... It's the one pursuit that will give you the greatest return. It's the one pursuit that gives you the greatest opportunity to experience life change. Doesn't everybody want their life to get better? Well, let me just do an IQ test. How many of you hope in your life gets worse? Let me see your hands. Nobody wants their life to get worse. Everybody wants their life to get Yes, everybody wants their life to get better. And so pursuing God gives you the best opportunity for your life to get better. Do you all agree with that? No, no, really. Do you all agree with that? And so listen, the pursuit of God is the greatest invitation ever given to mankind. It's the greatest invitation that's ever been given to you and I. It's the invitation to pursue God. And I want to begin this morning with this verse in James chapter 4 and verse 8. And it's a very simple verse, but it says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Now, isn't that a powerful verse? Can you think of a greater invitation than this? I mean, look at it. God says, draw near to me, and hey... I will draw near to you. How many of you think having God near is important? And so that's what he says. Think about this verse for a moment. The creator of the universe, the God who can span the heavens with one span of His arms, the creator of the universe that can hold all the waters on the earth in the palms of His hands, invites us into relationship with Him. Isn't that incredible? Think about that. The Lord, the creator of the universe says, if you will actively and aggressively pursue getting closer to me, then I will actively and aggressively pursue you. Man, it's crazy that the Lord would be even interested in me. I mean, there's a lot better people that he could be interested that he wouldn't care about me that He wouldn't want to hang out with us. Are y'all with me? You know, the Lord longs to respond to our pursuit of Him. He longs for it. He welcomes it. You know, it's it's his unwavering desire to help those who willingly, persistently pursue him. It's kind of like he's sitting on the sideline and he's watching us do life and he's watching us struggle. And he says, man, if you would just ask for me, for my help, I would be glad to help you. And we somehow try to get through life and we're busting our head on the wall and, and we're bleeding and we're our knees are skinned and we're just trying to hammer out life. And God says, oh my Lord, if you would just pursue me, I would help you. Remember in Mark chapter 6 when the disciples were struggling to row across the sea? I mean, they had their hands on the oars and and they were toiling against the strong winds because Jesus said, hey guys, go across the sea and I'll meet you over there. And, and they're trying to get over there, but the wind is stronger than their road and they're really struggling. And then, But the Lord responds to their pursuit. Now I want you to look at this story. It's, it's not very long, but look at it in Mark 6 and verse 47. And it says, when it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea. And he was alone on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them, and he said to them, Take courage. It is his eye, don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished. Now, there's a lot in this story. But I want you to notice in verse 48 that it says that he intended to pass them by. But when they cried out to him, he stopped and he spoke with them. Now, if the disciples hadn't cried out, in pursuit of Him, then the Bible says that He intended to just keep walking right past them. But because they cried out to Him, He stopped. He stopped and He got into their boat. So it seems that God's pattern is He won't force Himself on us. He won't make us pursue Him. He won't make us go after Him. But if we will just pursue Him, That he'll stop. He'll stop and he won't just pass by. He'll stop and he'll get in our boat. Amen? He'll get in our boat. He'll stop the wind and he'll help us to get on the other side. Now, I don't know if you got that yet. But some of you are rowing your boat called life. And the wind is in your face right now. And you're getting tired and you're struggling. And the Lord is saying, if you will just cry out to me, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to get into your boat and I'm going to help you get over to the other side. Amen. Come on. How many of you think that's a great invitation right there? Now, could it be that the Lord is waiting for us and wanting us to to, to just hunger for Him? Cry out to Him. Because he's really wanting to get involved in our situation. See, I think sometimes. Because of our lack of understanding of who God is. That we think he's lost in the stars. Like he's somewhere behind one of those stars. And that he has no clue what we're going through. Or what we're dealing with. But my friend, the Bible says. He is aware of every hair that falls off our head. He knows every hair that falls off. He collects our tears in a bottle. Don't you think he's he's concerned about what we're going through and what we're dealing with? And the answer is, Yes. yes, he is. Amen. And so listen, I believe that the Lord is desiring for us to pursue him. And the reason why he desires for us to pursue him is He didn't create us because He had nothing else to do. He created us because He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He's not a big mean God that don't want to be in our presence. He's a loving God that wants to put His arms around us, give us a big old smack on the face, and say, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. Let's do life together. Amen? Now, I wholeheartedly believe that our pursuit of God has the greatest life-changing potential. It has the greatest life-changing potential. Nothing has greater potential to change your life than the effort and energy that we put into pursuing God. Now listen, we spend a lot of energy. We spend a lot of passion. We invest a lot of time on a lot of things that give us some return. But unfortunately, we invest all our time and energy into other things And we end up with nothing left when it comes to our pursuit of God. But what if we turn that around? What if we started investing all of our time and all of our energy until we got tired? And then when we were tired, we invest what we got left on the pursuits of life. I think our life would be a lot different. Amen? In fact, I think we'd make more headway. Don't you agree with that? Now look what this verse says, Matthew 5 and 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now it doesn't mean that you got to be poor financially for God to be moving on, on your behalf. Poor in spirit refers to being in a place of spiritual awareness of your need for God. Poor in spirit means you realize that, man, I have a, I have a great need in my life, and my need is to have God in my life. That's what poor in spirit means. It means you recognize your need for God's mercy and God's grace. And you're willing to pursue Him to get that mercy and to get that grace. And you're willing to go after Him because you know you need it. And so you're saying, i got to have it. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Notice the promise, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, I ask the question, what is the kingdom of God? So if I'm poor in spirit and I hunger and I depend on God and I pursue God, the kingdom of God is mine. Well, what's the kingdom of God? Well, I'm not sure the full definition of it, but I believe it's everything the Father has at His disposal. That's the kingdom of God. He's the king, right? And He has a kingdom, right? He's over everything, right? They ha- there's this earthly world, and then there's the heavenly kingdom. And he is the king over his kingdom. And so if the kingdom of God is ours, I think everything that's at his disposal becomes ours when we learn to hunger and pursue after God. Amen? How many of you think that's a great I, that's a great invitation right there? And so listen, notice, I believe that the kingdom of God is peace. I believe the kingdom of God is financial provision. I believe the kingdom of God is deliverance, it's healing, it's divine favor, it's strength. I believe it's wisdom, it's breakthrough, it's renewal, it's restoration. I believe the kingdom of God is the provisions that God has made for mankind. And he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so I believe as we depend on God and as we pursue God, as if we go after God, God's saying, listen, I have a throne room of grace. I have a warehouse of my provisions. And if you're rowing your boat called life and you're struggling, come after me, pursue me. And if you will pursue me, if you draw near to me, I will draw near To you. Do you know that principle applies for a nation? If a nation is in trouble and they begin to cry out to God, do you know that God can change a nation? He can turn a nation around. Amen? Do you know that God can change a church? If the church will cry out and pursue Him, He can change the church. He can change the community. If the community is suffering and having bad things going on and the community will cry out to God and pursue God, He can change the community. But you know what? He can also change your household. He can change your circumstance as we cry out to Him. Amen. And so 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Again, notice the promise. Humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's, it's a, it's a picture of submitting to the authority of God. It's a picture of, of coming to the authority of God and saying, I don't have everything that it takes. I don't have all the solutions. I don't have all the answers. I need your help, God. And he says, if you will humbly come before God, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. Come on, do you feel low today? I tell you what, God will lift you up. Tony, he'll get your mom off the ventilator, won't he? Yesterday, we went to the hospital. Kelly told me Tony's mom was on the ventilator. And, and she, she couldn't breathe. And, and, and we were there to pray. And Tony said, oh, the Lord told me he's, he's going to use this for his glory. She's coming off of that ventilator. And well, this morning, they took her off the ventilator. Amen. Come on. That's great. Amen. 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 So listen, anytime we humbly pursue God, he always responds. By offering us everything at his disposal. Because why? Because he loves us. He loves us. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to not just make it through life. He wants us to have a happy life. A joyful life. Come on, are y'all hearing me out there? A peaceful life. Come on, he don't want us to just barely get up out of bed and just barely put our foot on the floor. No, He wants us to dance when we get out of bed. Come on, He wants us to hit our heels together. Amen? Come on, He wants us to be filled with enthusiasm. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, hunger means to crave. Or to be famished for something. Thirst means to have a strong desire or longing and willingness to pursue something. The message says it like this. You're blessed when you worked up a good appetite for God. I love that that phrase. An appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you ever eat. Nothing will bring greater satisfaction in your life than being filled with God's loving presence, amen? Now, I don't know if you heard that or not, but I'm gonna say it again. Nothing will satisfy your life like having the presence of God in your life. You say, oh, I think a million dollars would do it. I can show you people that have had multiple millions of dollars and they're not happy, Nothing will satisfy your life. You say, well, if I had a better job, if I had a more paying job, if I had a better, if I had a relationship, nothing will satisfy your life like the presence of God in your life. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Amen. And so the Lord says, blessed, blessed are those who hunger for God. Blessed are those who thirst for God. Blessed, happy to be envied. It's the one who has worked up A strong appetite and passion for God and willing to pursue God. Are y'all catching this yet? You know, I feel like, like what I feel inside is not coming out on what's coming out of my mouth. Amen. But I'm, if, if we could just grab a hold of this, can we receive a greater blessing from God if we develop a strong appetite for God? I think we can. There's too many verses in the Bible that refer to it. According to Jesus, we can. To receive the promised blessing, our pursuit of God has to be a priority. It has to be number one. It can't be number five. It has to be number five. I mean, excuse me, number one, not number five. I'm checking y'all. I want to make sure you're hearing me. So Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek what? First, His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You know what's first in your life? It's what you do the first thing you do when you get up in the morning. That's, that's first. So we could say cell phone is first. Oh, come on. Let me just keep with my notes here. Now notice the Lord commands us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. So what the Lord is doing is He's challenging us. He's saying, listen, of all the things you can pursue in life, and there's great things you can pursue, would you consider making the number one pursuit of your life the kingdom of God, your relationship with God? Would you consider it making it number one? See, our tendency is to seek first and be consumed With all the concerns of this world. All the things of this life. And so we we seek that first. We seek first business. We seek first education. We seek first financial success. We seek first entertainment and comfort. And other fleshly desires. We fill ourselves up with these earthly pursuits. So we have no appetite left for the things of God. But what if. We turn that around. What if we worked at building a greater appetite for the things of God? You know what I believe? I believe we wouldn't need as many things of this world if we have more of the kingdom of God in our life. We wouldn't need to be entertained. We wouldn't need to have something entertaining us 24-7 because we would be content with the presence of God in our life. Amen. Come on, are y'all here today? Seek first the kingdom of God. It has to be our number one priority. But listen, but our first priority should be God. And listen, God promises us, if we make a priority of pursuing Him, all these other things will be added unto us. Now what is He saying? He knows our needs. He knows what's going on in our life. He's not oblivious To what's burdening our heart. What our struggles in life are, he knows we need food to eat, we need clothes to wear, we need shelter over our head, he knows the the irritations and the thorns in our flesh, he knows the things that are tormenting us, he knows the things that are pressing in on us, and he says, "If you will make a priority of pursuing me, I will make sure to deal with the torment you 're going through. I will make sure to deal with the thorns in your flesh, I will look out for your needs amen so he 's not saying, "Listen, forget about yourself." Forget about what's going on in your life and just seek me. He's saying, no, listen, just make it a priority. Just make it a priority. Just put it back on the top of the list. Make me your priority. After you've checked your Facebook, pick up your Bible. Are y'all tracking with me? Are you hearing what Scripture is saying here? You see, to receive the promised blessing, our pursuit of God has to be with diligence, not just with priority, but it has to be with diligence. Listen to what Proverbs 8:17 says, "I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me." Diligently seeking God means to continually and earnestly. And passionately persevere in our attempt to get closer to Him. Pursuing God diligently means to go after Him with fierce determination. Listen. People will will put all kinds of effort into earthly pursuits. They'll, They'll invest so much energy and time. And they'll, they'll work day in and day out. Because they have a vision. They have a passion that they're trying to achieve. And the scripture says that the Lord loves those who diligently seek Him. And He says, you know what? Whenever they do, they're going to find me. They're going to find me. Amen. Do you know? That if you diligently seek after the Lord, it's not an an exercise of futility. God is going to meet you. Do you all believe that this morning? Do you all believe the word of God is true? That if you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you? Think about that for a minute. God's going to get nearer to you. What do you think that means? I don't know. But I think it's worth diligently seeking Him. Amen? Do you remember when Jacob pursued God and um, he didn't stop? He didn't quit because he didn't have his breakthrough right away. You know, it's kind of like, you know, somebody says, well, you know, there's an app on your phone and you can, and I'll try it one time if it doesn't work. I'll forget that. That's for, that's for young people. They can figure that out. And sometimes we approach God like that. Like we say, okay, pursue him. Okay, I'm going to wake up this morning. And I'm going to pray. And we pray 10 minutes and the heavens don't open. And we say, oh, I'm done with that. I pursued God, nothing happened. That's not diligence. Amen. That's not, that's not diligence. Diligence is like, I'm going to knock until this door opens. Amen. I'm going to keep knocking. I know you're in there. I'm going to keep knocking until this door opens. Amen. It's going after God with everything in you. And that's what Jacob did. Jacob pursued God with such intensity that he was willing to wrestle with an angel all night till he got God, amen? Till he touched heaven. And the scripture says in Genesis 32, 24, it says, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. This is the, the man or the angel speaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I like that. I like the attitude of that. I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is that that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. Now there's a whole lot of this to this story. We know that Jacob was determined. He was in such a desperate need. He was, his back was against the wall. And he knew that, man, his brother is after him. His uncle is after him. He's got enemies out there. He don't know what's coming next. His back's against the wall. He didn't know where to turn. So he says, God, if you don't come through for me, I'm done. So Lord... You come. And he wrestled with the angel all night. And the angel's like, hey, day's breaking, man. Let me go. I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. And his hip was out of socket. He wrestled so hard, but he would not let the angel go until God blessed him. I wonder what would happen if we would hold on to the horns of the altar and we would say, God, I'm not letting go of the horns of the altar until you come and you bless me and change my circumstance and my life around. Who knows what kind of breakthroughs are waiting you and I? Amen. So Jacob was willing to go after God with fierce determination. Well, listen, the result was that God completely transformed his life. Now, there's three things that happened to Jacob. Number one, Jacob's complete character changed. You know, the word Jacob means supplanter or trickster, and it means deceiver. And you remember that's who Jacob was. He had character issues. He was a deceiver, supplanter, a trickster. But you know what? He, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means prince with God. So he went from being a trickster, a supplanter, and a deceiver to being having the name Prince with God. You know what that tells us? His whole character was changed. His life was transformed. But it didn't stop there. Jacob also experienced restoration in his relationships. You know his relationship with his brother Esau was restored? And his relationship with his uncle Laban was restored? God moved beyond just changing his character. He just blessed his relationships. Some of you need your relationships blessed here today. Some of you need your character changed. God changes character and He blesses relationships. Amen. Well, listen, it didn't stop there. Jacob received God's perpetual blessing on his life. You know what perpetual means? It doesn't leave. It stays there. Wouldn't you like to have God's perpetual blessing on your life? In Genesis 35 and 9, now that Jacob had returned from Patam Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. And God blessed him, saying, your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. I mean, you know, when God changes your name, it's changed forever, amen? Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. And I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from that place where He would spoken to Jacob. Now imagine, the blessing Jacob received from pursuing God didn't stop with him. He said, Jacob, this blessing I'm putting on you is not just going to be on you. It's going to be on your descendants from generation to generation. Come on, don't you want your kids to be blessed? Don't you want your grandkids? Listen, some of us sitting in this room right now are receiving the blessing of God on our life because somebody before us just put their hearts on their their hands on the altar and said, God, I want your blessing and I need your blessing in my life and I'm not letting you go unless you you.'" Release your favor over my family. And the favor of God has been upon your family. Now, what are we going to do? What are we going to leave our children? Come on, what are we going to leave our children? I think we should leave a blessing behind. I think we should leave God's favor behind. Amen? And long after we're gone, our children and our grandchildren will be experiencing the presence and the blessing of God as a result of our faithful service to God. Come on, are y'all tracking with me this morning? Are y'all receiving this this morning? Amen. Amen. I wonder what would happen if you and I get serious about pursuing God. I wonder what would happen If we get serious about going after God. I don't know. But I know God always rewards. Those who diligently seek him. He always rewards. Listen, it's the enemy can't rob your blessing. When you pursue God. He can't rob your favor. When you're pursuing God. Amen. That's why the Bible says. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. If you will just submit your heart to God, God's face and His smile will be upon you. Now, does that mean you're going to be rich? It might mean that. But you see, God's blessing is not measured in dollars and cents. God's blessing is way deeper than that. Amen? Listen, you can have a boatload of money and have no peace in your life. And no amount of money can do you any good. But God can fill your heart with peace in an instant, in a moment, in a nick of time. Amen? How many of you know peace is greater than a boatload of money? Amen? Y'all agree with that? If you do, say, "Amen." Amen. So listen, God always rewards and blesses those who are willing to pursue Him. Everything God touches, God changes. And everything God changes, God blesses. Amen. Remember when Jesus did his first miracle. And he went to that wedding. And they ran out of wine. And his mom said, hey, what you going to do about it? And he said, well, my time's not up yet. But he turned water into wine. And it was, it was good wine, because they said normally, normally you keep the best wine for last, but here's a, this is better than what we've seen so far. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I hear that story, Jesus can take water, and He can make it wine. He can take something natural, and He can make it supernatural. So naturally, I'm just a little Cajun boy from Erath, Louisiana, amen, with the last name of Menard, second to the last is seven, but that's natural. But I'm telling you, God's hand on my life, he can take natural and he can make it supernatural. He can put his hand on your life, regardless of where you've been, what you've done, what you've been through, God's hand on your life, he can take water and turn it into wine, amen? Amen? Y'all believe that? Remember that other miracle he did? He had all this crowd of people. And they were hungry. And he said, hey, y'all feed them. And they said, what? Feed this crowd of people? We don't have no food. He said, do you have anything? Well, we got these little loaves of bread. Five loaves of bread and two fish. And the Lord took those five loaves and those two fish and He said, Father, bless it. All right, feed them. All right. Took the bread, started breaking it. Here, here's a piece for you, here's a piece. Man, this loaf ain't running out. This loaf. Wow. Man, we are at the back row and we still got bread. All right, let's grab the fish. Only had two of them. Two sokale. And he took the fish. It's like, man, okay, the bread went the distance, but there's fish. Hey, no way we're going to feed this crowd with this fish. But somehow when he cut the fish, there was more fish. Hey, folks, in the natural, that doesn't make sense. But God don't work in the natural. He works in the supernatural. His addition is not one plus one equals two. His addition is one plus one could equal a million. Amen. God is a supernatural God, and he can do supernatural things. Amen. Come on, y'all believe that. Come on, God can do the miraculous. He can do the supernatural. And so the Scripture says in Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. I have a question for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him? Yes, He is. Yes, He is. He's a rewarder. There's greater grace. Our pursuit of God is a choice that requires intentionality, it doesn't happen. Through osmosis. Our pursuit of God is a choice. You can't make me pursue God if I don't want to. But you can't stop me from pursuing God if I want to. You could put me in stocks. You can put me in jail. You can, you could, you could put a whole squad of soldiers around me. But you can't stop me from worshiping God. Come on, are y'all with me? Nobody can stop you from pursuing God. But it's a choice. It's a choice that you got to make. But if you make the choice, I promise you, this great reward. Amen? Our pursuit of God must be deliberately planned and done on purpose. The spiritual ball is in our court. The psalmist gives us an idea of what intentionally pursuing God looks like. And he says this in Psalm 63, 8. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. My soul followeth hard after God. You know what that means? To purposely set aside time, energy, and effort to get closer to God. My soul follows to pursue God. You have to intentionally set aside time in your life and your schedule. you got to make the choice to commit yourself to growing closer to God and to incorporate the spiritual disciplines that God has given us to get closer to Him. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen through osmosis. But it happens when we choose and make a decision that we're going to seek after the Lord. Amen? Jesus Chose to intentionally seek the Lord. The Bible says in Mark one thirty five. in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house. And He went to a secluded place and was praying there. Jesus intentionally got up early in the morning. I just heard somebody say, oh no. He intentionally got up early in the morning to pursue the Father. The scripture tells us that he intentionally went to a secluded place, a private place, a place where there was no distractions to pursue the father. He intentionally sought the Lord in Luke 516. It says Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer, not once in a while, often, often. Now, wait a minute. This is Jesus. This is the son of God. And he's often slipping away to spend time with the Father. Listen, Jesus was intentional. He set aside time although He was the Son of God. He pursued the Father. And so we also need to choose to intentionally seek the Father. Amen? We need to intentionally pursue God. How many of you How many of you are in favor of that? How many of you have faith in your heart to hear what I'm saying this morning? See, we need to intentionally. That's why at the beginning of the year, we set aside 21 days to fast and pray. In the natural mind, it's ridiculous. For those who have no faith, it's ridiculous. Why would you do such a thing? Well, that's because we believe something. We believe something about God. That if we will make the time and and put in the effort to draw closer to Him, that He will draw closer to us. We don't know fully what all that means. But we have... We have an inkling of knowledge of knowing that if God is close to us, then the enemy can't get to us. We have an inkling of knowing that if God is close to us, we're going to get over to the other side of the storm we're going through. Amen? We have the knowledge of knowing that if the big brother, the elder brother, the God, the creator of the universe that can span the heavens with a span of His arms and hold all the waters on the earth with a palm of His hand is in our side, on our our corner, we're going to do right right. Amen. So starting tomorrow morning, we're beginning a church wide 21 day prayer vigil. We're setting aside time for the purpose of pursuing God through prayer. Matthew 6 6 is when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, there's what's called private prayer and corporate prayer. If you read through the Scriptures from time to time, God encouraged the church to come together and to pray corporately. And there's something about corporate prayer. We're not going to put it on a billboard, but we're going to be having prayer meetings here throughout the 21 days. First week, every three meetings a day, 6 o'clock in the morning, 12 noon, 6.30 p.m., except on Saturday at 9 a.m. And we're going to have prayer time. And we're going to come into the doors of the sanctuary. And the best we know how, we're going to cry out to God and say, God, I ain't letting you go unless you bless me. Amen? Lord, I need your favor on my life. Lord, I need you to put your hand on my children and my grandchildren. Lord, I need your hand on my marriage. Lord, I need your hand on my finances. Lord, I need you to keep my heart right with you. Lord, I need you to help me with temptation. Lord, I need your help in my life. Amen? And we're going to believe God to answer that prayer. And then the second and third week, we're going to have prayer meetings every night. We're going to have an overflow night. We're going to give you more instruction. But you know what? We thought this year, you know, you heard that story about this man that was a great fisherman. He always knew where to go and catch the fish. So he'd go catch the fish, and he knew some people that that were, you know, they didn't have a lot of money, they didn't have a lot of resources, and he would go give us fish to, to the family. And so, man, they'd pull out the pots, they'd cook the fish, they had a great meal. And then one day it dawned on him, you know, it's great that I'm giving this family fish. But what if I taught them how to catch fish? What if I brought them to my spot and showed them how to catch fish? I can feed them fish for a day and that'll satisfy them for a meal. But if I show them how to fish, that'll satisfy them for a lifetime. And see, it's, it's one thing for me to pray over you. But it's one thing for you to know how to reach the heavens with your prayer. Amen? So we're going to do something a little different in the prayer meetings. We're going to carve out time in all of our prayer meetings to give people a chance to have some personal prayer time. We're going to have some worship. We're going to have a little short teaching. But we're going to have time for people to spend time with God. And in my mind, it's teaching people how to fish. Amen. Are y'all with me? Because once you learn how to fish, you're not going to go hungry. You're going to always have fish on your table. Amen. Can y'all follow along with that illustration? Amen. And then we're setting aside not just to pray, but to fast. In Matthew 6, 17, Jesus said, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting won't be noticed by men, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What is fasting? It's, it's abstaining from food or water for the purpose of giving your full attention to God. You know, if you read Isaiah 58, fasting is not just about not eating or drinking. Although your flesh will really fight you on that one. And we have some resources. We have all kind of resources back there at the table. Encourage you to make use of it. Well, we want you to have that, and it'll help you set an objective. And there's there's different kinds of fasts. There's the Daniel's fast, you know, which is just fruits and vegetables, and partial fast where you just eat one meal a day, or or just eat two meals a day. And there there's a juice fast where you just drink juices, and then there's a complete fast that you do in a limited time where it's just water. Listen, as we conclude today. Isaiah 58 says fasting is not doing your own thing. So, you know, I want to take that Facebook logo off of my phone. I don't have a Facebook account, but I got Tanya's on my phone so I can keep an eye on y'all. No. (laughs) You like that one, (laughs) Kermit? But you know what? Man, your phone can eat you up. Right? So listen. I mean, how about, how about you let all your friends know, hey, I see you in 21 days. How about it? You know, I think that we have become so distracted by social media, and I'm speaking of myself as well, that it's robbing my relationship with God. And I need to be delivered. I need that demon to come out of me. Are y'all with me out there? Somebody said, no, don't touch that demon in me. But, but y'all, are, y'all, are y'all just tracking with what I'm saying? And so here's the idea. Brother Francis used to say, turn off the stove. Turn off the TV. Unplug it. <laughs> there you go. Don't just turn it off. Unplug it. Because that remote is just going to have its own mind. Would you stand with me? Are you all with me out there? You know, I, again, I think I said this last year, but I, I think it bears saying again. You know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be in this church, in the environment that Brother Francis cultivated years ago teaching us how to fast and pray. You know, in many churches, it's Easter and Christmas. That's the most attended time of the year. But I tell you, at Family Life Church, one of the greatest attended times is during the month of January when we're fasting and praying. And you know what that says to me? That we have a people that are hungry for God, that want to reach heaven. And want heaven to reach them. You know, come on. Our one purpose and goal is to respond to the invitation given to us through James. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. I believe God wants to meet us. Can we just make a decision today to just go after God? Don't tell anybody what you're doing, what you're fast. It's not rules and regulations. It's not outdoing the other person just just as much as you can. You know, those of you that can't make the prayer meetings or you go out of town, set aside, turn the TV off wherever you go. Get your Bible out. Get you the one-year Bible. There's books on fasting and prayer. Just take your time. Read that stuff. Let it fuel the fire to go after God. And who knows what God will do. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. And this last verse, Ephesians 3.20, Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to His power that is working within us. Father, we come before You today God, as the pastor, as the lead pastor of Family Life Church, God, I ask you to give me grace, my family grace. Give this congregation grace to seek after you, to pursue you. The greatest pursuit of life is the pursuit of God. It's an investment of time and energy that we'll never regret and that will never be an empty pursuit. Father God, I pray, stir our hearts today. Fuel our passion for you today. That God, we might be willing and able to set aside time to go after you. Lord, I thank you ahead of time for the miracles that are going to take place, the breakthroughs that are going to take place, the heavens that are going to be open, the presence that's going to be among your people. Thank you, Lord, ahead of time for responding to us as we go after you. Lord, I pray the grace of God to pray in the fast, be released over your people in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agrees, said amen. All right, now you go out and have your last supper. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And we'll be here starting tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be here. If not, be blessed. You're dismissed. Godspeed as you go.